Welcome to This is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose, to create a better life for all residents of the St. Louis region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression at work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We are working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today, our guest is DeMarco Davidson, lead organizer for the MCU Sacred Votes Campaign. Today, we're going to take a close look at how MCU is using something called transformative conversations, also known as TRACO, you may hear us use that term, to build power in the community. So DeMarco, welcome and thanks for being here. Uh, as always, it's an honor and a pleasure. So let's just start with a definition. What is a transformative conversation? Yes, so I like to say that a transformative conversation is a mix between having a a one-on-one a -on -one with somebody and a listening campaign or a, listening, a deep listening strategy. Uh, when I say a one-on-one, -on -one, it's an intentional, uh, an intentional relationship building listening campaign. So there's a lot to say. <laughs> uh, so we just say transformative conversation. And uh, I also like to think of it as a way to re to reveal uh, what people might be thinking or to get them to think about things that they've never thought about. And if I had to say, uh, if there is a, an ultimate goal of a transformative conversation, it is to hear people say, wow, I've never thought about that. Or wow, somebody has never asked me that question before. And now that, and, and now that you've asked me that, you got me thinking. So that's the, like, if I had to say what's the ultimate goal, that would be the overall ultimate goal. But we do have some actual tangible goals as well. Right. So somebody says that to you, you consider that conversation a, a, a win then? Yes, definitely, definitely. And I also, and just the, just the format or style of the questions, uh, all of the questions that we ask people are open-ended. So there is no wrong or right answer. Uh, and they actually are guided. So I like also, sometimes I will share people that they are a, a guided, open-ended questions uh, as well. So you had mentioned one-on-ones. That's something we do within our organization, within, within MCU to uh, get at the heart of people's uh, self-interest and motivations and, and, and help guide where they plug in to the organization. Um, that's something we do in a, a, a smaller group. Um, who are we talking to in these transformative conversations? How many people are we looking to talk to? Yes. So great question. Uh, so I, I like to uh, add in that this is our second time doing uh, a round, we'll call it, or even a phase perhaps of transformative conversations. And we, we, we did these originally in, 20, in, 20, in 2019 in collaboration with MOVE, uh, that's uh, MOBE, Missouri Organizing and Voter Engagement. Uh, so MCU, as well as several other grassroots organizations across the state, uh, actually conducted over 4,000 conversations in 2019. And, uh, and, but, and one of the things that was different between 2019 and 2021 is that everybody had to ask the exact same questions. So some of the questions were not really relevant to MCU, and then some of the questions also were not really uh, 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 provided a 
tangible answer either. Uh, so, and just how the format was, and, and they were attempting to use certain questions that had worked well in other states. Missouri is a little different. Uh, so with that being said, in this time around, uh, I'm not sure of the ultimate goal. I don't know if it's another 4,000 perhaps, uh, but in 2020, in 2019, and even now in 2021, MCU is responsible for conversing with at least, at least 400 people. Uh, and, and this go around, uh, we actually are focusing on what we call the break the pipeline zip codes, uh, or BTP zip codes for short. Uh, there's a lot of, sorry for all the jargon, <laughs> uh, but, and for those who are, who are not familiar with break the pipeline, that is short for also breaking the school to prison pipeline. And when we say a, a break the pipeline zip code, we are referring to zip codes that have a high juvenile detention referral rate. So every year, uh, I, the, the, the prisons and the, and, and the jails and the juvenile detention centers across the state, uh, across the country, release information of like, where are these kids coming from? So we, every year we take a look at what are the zip codes where um, there's a huge amount of ju juvenile detention referrals coming out of, um, where are these kids coming from? So some of the areas uh, we always and we always try to pick at least the top five in St. Louis County and St. Louis City. Some of them actually mix. For example, the six three one three six actually reside. It has uh, people who live in both the city and the county. Uh, but the six three one three six, for example, is one of the main zip codes we focusing on and, and focusing on this go around that we didn't have have the same focus in twenty nineteen. We do now in twenty twenty one. Again, we're, we're, this is more of a listening campaign. This is, this is not talking to people to convince them or persuade at this yeah. point, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. I'm sorry. And that's another huge difference. Um, and the, similar to how the difference in, uh, in, in just a regular campaign, a, re a regular, a regular uh, door knocking campaign versus integrated voter engagement, where we are, you know, where uh, most typical campaigns just say, will you vote for this? Yes or no. Uh, do we have your support? Yes or no. Are you leaning towards candidate A or candidate B? Things like that's a regular campaign. Uh, but as we talk about integrated voter engagement, uh, we talk about being engaged with voters all year round, whether we have in a campaign or not, whether we are, uh, whether there's an election or not. Uh, with the with the transformative conversations, uh, we are actually engaging people. And here's another great thing, too, that we are doing different than 2019. In 2019, we only focused on people who were in our voter access network and the uh, which is also known as the van. Uh, but the access, the voter access network is normally favors people who also have house phones. And we <laughs> and statistics show that people who still have house phones are normally 50 years and, and wiser uh, and and therefore. Uh, we are we were missing out on people who may not have a house phone, who may just have only have a cell phone or just may live from place to place from year to year. But they still may be politically engaged. Uh, we also are missing out on people who were not who are not voters, who ha might have been disenfranchised. Uh, and, and especially, you know, even thinking of those who might not be able to vote. Uh, so therefore, we wanted to we, we are taking a different approach. Uh, while we do have lists of people who who did uh, conversations with us in 2019, uh, all 400 of them, uh, we 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 do plan on reaching out to them if we can catch up to them and and we pray that they are healthy and safe 
uh, after COVID, uh, after after last year. And that's been something that, that we definitely check in with those who are doing these because, uh, you know, it was a nice amount of uh, people who who are no longer here with us. So it's really challenging. Uh, but to, for those who might be, we will reach out to them, but then also just reaching out to people who are in our immediate influence uh, in our circles and our friends and our families uh, as well. So immediate, immediate people in our friends and family and in our congregations uh, as well. So why are we having these conversations now? What do we, what's important about 2021? Um, mm-hmm. And, and it sounds like there are a couple of different goals that sort of relate to each other. One, we're looking for information. So what are we looking for? And yes. then two, we're also trying to motivate and, and, and talk to about how those relate to each other. Yes. So originally in 2019, uh, MOVE and again, MOVE and all the other grassroots organizations in Missouri, uh, we did these to see if there are, were any common uh, places where people like related to and maybe see what some of the differences might have been. Uh, and that was it was it was overall it was it was decent. Uh, but what we're focusing on now in 2021 is we are specifically looking for looking to hear how people in St. Louis City and St. Louis County have a un, to see where their understanding is when it comes to their personal uh, ability to make changes and or hold people accountable who do have the ability to make changes that they want to that they want to see in their community uh, in the region, but then also in the state. Uh, and if I could, you know, share briefly, uh, one of the, one of the first questions is, what do you, would you like to see change in the next two years in your community? So we actually are being specific uh, with the hopes that we have enough responses from people uh, to get a, a good, a good enough understanding of what issues to cut, what what programs should we be working towards. Uh, what voting initiatives should we be pushing or should we be working to organize with other groups to bring to St. Louis City and St. Louis County? So it sounds like we we want to make sure any issues we're working on are actually what people are interested in. It, yes. It's sort of yes. taking the pulse of the of, of the public then. Exactly. Exactly. So not. And, and here's the thing, too. Right. Is So because I definitely agree, like we want to take the pulse. Right. But then. We want that pulse either to like, like to raise that pulse up uh, to get people to take action. Uh, and so after I, after we ask the question, uh, who would you like to see changing in, in, in the next two years? We immediately ask the question, how realistic do you think that change can happen? Right. Because it's, it's often we, we again, we've done these type of campaigns and listening campaigns. We'll ask people, you know, what do you like to see different? But we rarely ask, do you re- do you think that's realistic? Do you think it's possible? Because the people who say, oh, yeah, I want to see changes, but I don't think it's possible. Uh, the, the chances of them joining any organization or the chances of them taking any action is close to none. <laughs> it's, it's very close to none. But then we say when people say, oh, yeah, it's possible. I think it's possible. And then we immediately ask question number three. Like these are questions number one, two and three. <laughs> we immediately ask who do you think is responsible for that change? And that creates an entirely different conversation because oftentimes people say, oh yeah, like a lot of times I've heard, we've heard, we've heard, and we've already started doing these. Um, we already got over a hundred of them done, right? 
don't, at least probably 25% of them say, we want more things for youth, we want more things for kids. And then we ask them who's responsible. We get blank stares, we get blank faces, we get I don't knows. So everybody wants something for children. Everybody wants more stuff for kids, but don't nobody know who to hold accountable or to how to even make that change happen. So even just even just seeing that and noticing that has already been made making a huge difference. Because uh, again, it's not so. I always say you know it's, it's one thing to to recognize a problem. This is also to recognize who's responsible, <laughs> who's who's actually supposed to bring this bring a solution. Uh, to these communities who who are des- in, des- in some communities that are in, in desperate need and don't have the resources, and 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 with that being said, all, all of our communities in St. Louis City and St. Louis County, all of them do have, uh, even the unincorporated areas, they have a state rep, they have a state senator, they have a mayor or a county exec, they have people who should be working towards their benefit, uh, and therefore not just allow people to allow communities to just feel like they are our community individuals actually be feel like they're part of a community. That's another thing too. So. I, I like how, you know, in, within the organization, when we work on an issue, we talk about uh, identifying uh, sort of the centers of power when it, when it comes to changing an issue. And we're actually sort of leading lay people who have never experienced this before through that thought process themselves of saying, of thinking about, who in your community does make decisions. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And again, that's why I say like the ultimate goal is, wow, I never thought about that. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Now, we talk a lot about having influence um, in elections. Um, do you have any examples, whether in St. Louis or elsewhere, of how these conversations can lead to changes in voter participation and, and yes. make a difference in elections. That's one of the main things that we were, that, 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 that got, that got us so excited to do this a second time around, uh, especially when we were told that we were allowed to uh, create the questions ourselves. Uh, Cause that's something I really pushed for last time. It didn't happen. So I was super excited. Uh, also, I want to bring in, a, a, I apologize for all the jargon, uh, another aspect, what we call a race class narrative. A race class narrative is basically uh, bringing into a conversation or to a discussion how race and class impacts uh, the community or impacts us personally even. And then also recognizing who may be leading the discussion on race class narratives. And this also comes out of, uh, of, of, of other states. So other states have utilized a race class narrative. I specifically focused on three particular states that have already been doing similar transformative conversations. And those three states were are Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Georgia. Now, probably, probably Wisconsin is probably the most closest to how Missouri operates. Uh, but when we looked at Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Georgia uh, from the most recent presidential election, uh, we can see how uh, these conversations that have been happening over time has led up to different people or, or enough people, enough voters to be aware of of the center of influences, the center of power, uh, those who actually have a power, who actually have who, and those who can actually be held accountable uh, as well. So to even be able to elect leaders who can be held accountable. Uh, so we've seen those things happen over time and 
We truly believe that Missouri could uh, could could possibly possibly uh, again. It's not about flipping a state because this is when I know a lot of people was like, "Oh, we can flip a state like Missouri." Like Missouri is definitely still different than than especially different than Georgia. Uh, complete like really different. But like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, two states uh, that actually have a similar a similar uh, state government. Like, what can we do differently? And how can we get people engaged and informed to when it's all said and done to simply focus on voting towards their self-interest and not just on the not just because of a political party? Okay, great. And I I find that a very hopeful uh, um, attitude to have, because there are days when when uh, it seems like everything's against us and and reminding ourselves that. We have the the ability to analyze it, and we have the ability to advocate. Uh, is is a very helpful message. Definitely, definitely. Um, and you know, and again, because we were actually able to create our own questions this time, uh, I hope I'm not jumping ahead, right? But I, I really do want people to get involved. I really do. People want people to to get engaged, and and although somebody may not live in one of the zip codes, um, we are asking people who are pastors, who are clergy, who are lay leaders. Uh, to still have these conversations in, internally. Um, and we have a whole you know, a, a electronic process where we can get the answers and things like that. It'd be a Google form, you know, like we can, and we can walk, we walk through people, walk through the system and process with people. That's no problem. Um, but we want people, because even one of the things we're finding out is, is people who are asking these questions to their loved ones, people who are asking these questions to people who live with them. They are even saying, wow, I've never thought of that. And even some of us who are organizers are asking our significant others, and we are surprised that even some of our significant others don't have the same hope that we have uh, for doing the work that we're doing. You know, so it was like, wait a minute, do you believe in what I'm doing? Like, it's it's, it's causing it's causing us to have those discussions, which is overall it's healthy. Like, it's, it's a healthy tension. You know, it's a healthy tension. The very last question, you know, I talked about the very first question. Like, it's like it's at least some, like twenty some questions. But the very last question, I really we really do focus on Missouri voters and how the power of Missouri voters. Uh, we literally ask or literally state how Missouri voters in 2018 passed democracy reform, not state legislators, not the governor. It was Missouri voters uh, uh, passed democracy reform, passed uh, 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 increase in, min- in minimum wage, defeated right to work. Uh, uh, allowed medical marijuana. Uh, then also in 2020, Missouri voters again, not state legislators, not the governor, but state, but but Missouri voters passed Medicaid expansion. Uh, and at the same time, at the same time, Missouri voters also voted for a particular politician who was not in favor of any of those. And then, the, and so then we say we ask. What do you want to vote, be able to vote on in 2021 and 2022? As a Missouri voter, what do you want to vote on? Because we are showing and displaying people like we got the power to do what we want, to bring about what we want, whether or not we vote for people who are not in, our, in the favor of these issues. And to me, that is the ultimate, the ultimate transformation, literally, of somebody saying, I want to see changes to now, oh, we actually do have the power to make these changes. So knowing that now, what do we want to vote on? Like, what is like, you know, so yeah, so that's what, 
that's the, that's what gets me excited about these type of con- about, about transformative conversations. Okay, great. And and so, what what other kind of differences can uh, a motivated and organized citizens make in between elections? Um, I guess specifically in between the big elections. Um, mm-hmm. If you get somebody coming away from one of these conversations with that aha moment, oh, uh, there's yes. more that I can do than than I realize. So, what what kind yes. of yes, no, excellent, yeah. So, uh, so. This is this is a that's a that's an excellent question because what we what we did find out in 2019, in 2019 we did find out that it it really comes down to people's political diet, and when I say political diet, I mean what are they listening to? Where are they getting their information from? Where are they getting their their talking points? Right? Because uh, again, a lot of people claim they don't like to talk politics, and that's even something that I don't want to go off on a tangent, but. When we're talking about politics, um, we have to be mindful that everybody may not even have the same definition. So I always encourage people to develop a definition uh, for themselves uh, so we can actually have com- conversations and discussions. Uh, and, and, and with that being said, one week in between elections, we should be having discussions and conversations uh, with our loved ones, with people that we and people in our immediate community, our immediate community. Uh, to actually ask what changes are we asking? What changes do we want to see? And what are the criterias or what are we looking for in, in, in candidates? Uh, again, that's one of the reasons why we asked the question or how Missouri voters did all this, but we, so we, we elected a, 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 a U.S. Senator who was against all of these. Like we elected somebody who was against all of these efforts. What is that about? Why are we doing that? Um, and and who, where is this information coming from? So it's important to get as many of these, uh, have as many of these conversations with people, uh, not to say you should stop listening or even that's wrong, but just be mindful. And then especially when it comes to uh, the, re- the religious uh, sector of life, uh, I, I really do want, and I, I encourage or even challenge, uh, again, providing a healthy tension, a challenge for uh, clergy and pastors uh, to really examine uh, what what are they what are they sharing with their congregation about being involved in the community? Uh, so not telling them how to vote. Nope, not telling them how to vote. I don't think, like some pastors do that. Some don't. I don't agree with that. Uh, overall, I encourage people to say what values should be lifted up, uh, and even you know what, what even if you want to say Christian values, that's fine too. Uh, but what values uh, should be lifted up? So focusing on the development on that. Uh, and also, uh, one of the big things that I'm really focused on is working to find everyday people who may have a uh, political ambition. You know, that's one thing that it, for those who who say, hey, I don't want to run for office. I, I agree. Uh, that's a scary thing. I ran for office before. It was definitely terrifying. Um, and it's not the easiest as well, because it's not just you running. It's your family and everybody else that, you know, immediately is running with you. And they don't they didn't ask for that spotlight. Uh, so I encourage people to uh, develop relationships with each other, uh, develop relationships with current elected officials and hold elected officials accountable. Uh, let your le- elected officials know. So like whether it's calling, uh, making a phone call, writing a letter or sending postcards and then organizing with other like minded individuals, uh, finding a group or starting a group, uh, starting a group within your church, starting a group within your community. Uh, figure out like what do you all want as a as an organization or as a as a collective, and and make those demands. Develop those demands 
for elected officials and hold them accountable. And I guess the other important thing is, is even the, the non-important uh, or the, the non-attention grabbing elections are just as important. So oh, extremely. school, school yeah. board, um, you know, county council, all of those yes. types of things. Oh, uh, I am a firm believer that local elections matter more than the presidential election. Uh, I say that from just lived experience of dealing with being involved in politics for now over 13 years, like directly involved in politics uh, for over 13 years now, that local elections matter the most, the absolute most. Um, and even case in point with in, within St. Louis City, uh, we, they, we, again, with St. Louis City voters agreed that they wanted to utilize approval voting on the, in the next citywide election and in the automatic races. We've already seen the, the, the two candidates that emerged from the St. Louis City primary, the nonpartisan St. Louis City primary, the two candidates that emerged were two candidates that are seen as progressive and not progressive as in super radical progressives. Uh, they are progressive compared to the other people that were on the ballot. It says that we as a city, as St. Louis City, we actually desire candidates who actually are more focused on progressing us forward and not trying to maintain or conserve. We're not trying to conserve where we are because where we are, we're not happy with where we are. We want to progress. To me, approval voting is one of the great examples of a local matter uh, that, that was extremely important and how it showed up in St. Louis City uh, just a few weeks ago. And now we can honestly say whoever is elected to be the next mayor of St. Louis City will probably be the most progressive mayor that St. Louis City has ever had in the history of St. Louis City. One thing about approval voting, like I, when people ask me to explain it, I explain it, I share them, approve of who you think can do the job. <laughs> and what approval voting also does, it says, is what it says no to. So while it said, like, again, it's not just them being male candidates that said no to no, no men, no. It was like, no, we don't desire to conserve the, the systems that are in place. We, put, we are saying yes to those who are ready to make the systems um, more people oriented, more people friendly, more family friendly uh, to work towards making St. Louis better. And, and, and which and out of the two candidates, these are probably the two candidates will be more, more likely to work with St. Louis County to really develop regional strategies and plans to bring the different things that people desire in their lives and in their communities. Okay, great. So with the Traco conversations, uh, we're recording this in March of 2021. The pandemic is still in effect. Uh, social distancing is still happening. So how are the conversations going to, going to happen? What's, what's our strategy for that? Yes. So one of the great things that I mean, that we are doing again is a little different. Again, 2019, we had people knocking on doors, canvassing and basically talking to strangers. <laughs> you know, like it was really a lot of look, as, as we say in the world of business, cold market. Uh, but this time around, we were again, we're asking people to do what we call, again, in the business world, a warm market. Uh, so we've actually when people come on board and they say, hey, I want to do I would like I'm interested in doing transformative conversations. We literally ask people to make a list. We ask people to make a list of five people in there that are friends and family members who live in St. Louis City or St. Louis County 
Uh, and then we asked them to put, right, make a list of five people who they would like to talk or ask these same questions to in their congregation or their organization. Uh, and therefore, one person uh, can actually then have 10 conversations. Uh, and by that time, if they are after, after doing that, we actually do have a piece in the transformative conversation. We do ask people, uh, who else should I talk to in the community or who else should I talk to in your community? Who else would you like me to talk to? So it does have a a, 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 a piece that's kind of, 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 a, of a, again, in the, we'll call it in the business world, a lead generator. Uh, but what we like to say in the world of organizing, um, uh, a, another way to connect with another neighbor. Uh, and that's what I'm excited about. So people have been having these conversations, again, starting off their friends and family, uh, people in their home, people in their community, in their immediate community. Uh, but then they start having conversations with people in their church. Uh, and again, none of the conversations are heavy on the politics. Uh, we know that everybody has a different palette for politics. So we really do try to focus on what are people's thoughts, feelings, and their opinions on particular uh, matters and issues on how, um, how who, who's re- and, and, and who's responsible for actually making changes happen that they want to see. So I always let people know, first step, make your, get involved and have a transformative conversation done uh, with you first. That's number one. Uh, so if somebody wants to have, a, like, wants to hear the questions, actually answer them, like, I, I help people with that. I do, I do them with the people. So that's number one. And then number two, uh, actually ask at least 10 people the questions. And from there, people usually get a good sense of how to ask the questions. And they, they develop the skill of asking open-ended questions that are not combative. And I think that's another great thing about the transformative conversations is that it develops the skill. Uh, Cause I'm keeping it real here, uh, Kevin. <laughs> a lot of people ask us, how do I talk to my cousins who think like this? How do I talk to my cousins who, who, who think like that or who vote for that person or who vote for it? Like, how do I talk to them? And majority of the time, people want to try to convince people, right? That's what people, that's what people a lot of people want. They want to be able to say, you stupid, you dumb, or they want to say that ain't of God, like whatever they want to say, right? Uh, but the important part is the relationship from the conversation. And what we, again, what statistics show, what statistics show for, from, again, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Georgia has shown is that when people engage somebody and we ask them, how did you come to that understanding? That one simple question, Kevin, makes a world of difference. How did you come to that understanding? And then we ask, we also ask people, how do you get your information about, about community changes? Uh, and it's been, it's been, again, it's been incredible, the answers we've gotten so far. And a lot of people uh, don't recognize, some people don't even recognize where they get information from or where they, how they, right, where, they, where, where they get their understanding of politics from. They don't even, some people don't even recognize it. So again, just bring it to the surface, just bring things to surface. So it sounds like we're also developing better questioners too. Exactly. Better questioners. And, 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 and I really, I truly hope, Kevin, like this is from the top of my heart. Uh, I really do hope that we are able to utilize transformative conversations as a way to mend, mend some of the relationships that have been torn apart, uh, whether it's through a campaign, whether it's through an election cycle, whether it's uh, for a different view on the, pan- on the pandemic. There was a lot of like, not only were we separated physically, like we've been separated and, and we've been so polarized and social media, unfortunately, unfortunately, like, creates an even wider gap 
uh, even more polarization. Uh, so with that being said, the way people can do the conversations, they don't have to do them in person. Uh, again, uh, they, people can just make a phone call and talk to people over the phone. Uh, they can, um, you know, in the world, the virtual world of Zoom or, or, or Google Meets, you know, they can do them that way too. Um, so that way, again, that's another reason why we say start with five and five family and friends and also five members in your church or your, or your organization, because even they haven't really people, even within families, haven't really talked or conversed about these matters and issues um, as well. So I think it's, that's always a great thing. And if someone's listening and they're interested in participating, uh, what can they do? Definitely email me. Uh, DeMarco at MCUSTL.com. That's D-E-M as in Mary, A-R-C-O at MCUSTL.com. I will personally assist people and make sure they are properly trained. Uh, And especially if you are a a pastor or a clergy who's interested, uh, I usually ask, I usually take time and ask the questions to the the pastor. And then I ask the pastor, who else would would he or she or they like to, have uh, answer the questions in the congregation uh, and we go from there and okay, and and for those who and oh and this is one of the great things too uh we've had people we've asked people these questions and it's so great to see people like wow i really enjoyed this i want to ask people too how can i get involved and again it's creating that flow of, of people uh creating creating and expanding the base of mcu as well okay and my final question is if if someone comes to me and, and, and does this with me and they're asking me questions, what are some things to keep in mind as, as these questions are being asked? Any, any advice? Yes. Yeah. So uh, be honest with yourself. Uh, be, be brutally honest with yourself. Uh, Cause again, that's sometimes, and, and I, 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 we've worked really, really hard to make sure that the questions don't come off as offensive. Uh, don't come off as too political again, uh, they, they don't, they're not heavy towards one direction or another. Uh, we really do uh, want to hear people's true thoughts. I share with people on a regular too, Kevin, that, that if someone says, I don't know, that, 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 that's a good answer. Saying, saying, I don't know is a good answer. Now, I also suggest to people that if you don't know, like, again, that's why we ask people, like, who's responsible for making these changes happen? Uh, they may not know. They may not know. So, uh, just keep in mind and recognize that. And then, rec- and then I ask people, uh, I've asked my personal friends and family this, you don't have, you know, everybody don't have to ask people this. I asked them like, how did it feel to say, you don't know who actually supposed to be making changes in your community? Like how did it, how did it make you feel? You know? And I, and that's, I know that I ask people that on a personal level, right? Um, after, after, after the questions are done. Um, so just be brutally honest uh, with yourself and, and be okay. Be okay with being uncomfortable but then allow your uncomfortability, allow being uncomfortable to, to move you to action, to make changes that you want to see in your community. Okay, great. This has been a great conversation. I want to thank you, uh, DeMarco, for your time today. And, thank you. Uh, thank you as always, Kevin. You're, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, a reminder, DeMarco Davidson is the lead organizer for MCU Sacred Votes Campaign. And if you want to learn more about MCU, go to the Metropolitan Congregations United website at mcustlewis.org. Also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events. I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening.